Welcome to another exciting and elucidating episode of the OmniTalk Ask an Expert series. I am your host, Chris Walton. And I'm Amanda Singa. And we are the founders of OmniTalk, the fast-growing retail company that is all about companies, the technologies, and the people that are coming together to shape the future of retail. As we like to say, the retail media company that focuses on tomorrow's companies today. And, yes. and today we are once again turning our attention to the topic of the changing dynamics of customer service in this ever-changing omni-channel world. And particularly, what it implies for how retailers should think about meeting their customers' needs wherever they may be. So joining us today to share their expertise on that very subject for the from the perspective of real retailers yes. are two retail executives who are living and breathing it every day. Please allow me to introduce Chris McShane, the Senior Vice President of Customer Experience at Serta Simmons Betting, and Amber Scott, the VP of Customer Experience, also at Serta Simmons Betting. Amber and Chris, how are you guys both? Doing well. Thank you for having me. It's so exciting to have you on here, especially because we're getting the perspective of you as retailers who are living and breathing this every day, as Chris mentioned in the intro, but just to hear firsthand, especially throughout the last few years, how you've been dealing with providing the best uh, customer experience that is possible because it's hard right now. It is. Yeah. And honestly, we don't get to talk to a lot of real retailers all that often. I mean, occasionally we do. We're probably talking to them on the podcast, like maybe once or twice a month. But so getting two of you guys on one show is a rare treat for us. Right. And thank you to TalkDesk for helping to make this conversation happen because they, they are a key piece of this. Um, so, Ann, I think we should I think we should get going. Yes. Uh, before we get into the discussion, though, Chris, uh, we just want to note that uh, if you're joining us live, And for those of you watching this online, you have the ability to shoot Amber and Chris questions throughout this discussion. So at any time, you can just enter a question in for the team uh, via the chat session window on the right hand of your screen. Pick these real retailers' brains. That's right. Yeah, don't be shy. All right. That's right. All right. I like Um, it, Chris. Well, Chris and Amber, I want to start out uh, first for the audience to get a little bit of background about the two of you. So Tell us a little bit about your roles at Serta Simmons Betting and uh, maybe Amber, let's start with you. I'm the vice president of customer experience for Serta Simmons Betting and just a little bit about my background. I actually went to school to be a teacher. So I oh, wow. taught first grade, I taught kindergarten, um, but had always really enjoyed customer service. So eventually I found my way back to that via restaurant. So I was in restaurants for a few years and then in 2015, I found Tuft & Needle. I was looking for a change and so joined Tuft & Needle's customer experience team. A few years later, we joined forces with Certison and Setting, which kind of brings right. us to where we are today. And my role mainly focuses on strategy and operations for consumer-facing experiences. Okay. okay. And so- where does that begin and end, Amber? Like consumer-facing experiences, especially in this omni-channel world. Like how do, how do you describe that? So it really starts like with when a customer comes on to our website, right? Like, so obviously we have a really amazing marketing team that really works on like how to bring people in, but once they're with us, so whether that's a phone call, the website, wherever it is, all the way through to hopefully successful delivery and loving of a product. But if it, you know, turns into a return or it turns into a warranty case, that will all be my um, scope. That. That's a, that's a wide scope, Amber, <laughs> that, yes. and, uh, and continuously evolving. But I have a question too. Does that include the in-store side of the, the employee customer rea- interactions or how, how do you guys look at that angle too? 
So currently we have a team of retail focused team while it's, we work very, very close together. The in-store experience is, you know, a beast into itself. So we do have a specific team that really focuses on that journey. Okay. Um, and we do partner very closely though. So you're coordinating with them versus like overseeing it as an example. Yeah. Okay. Got it. Mm -hmm. Perfect. Glad I asked. Chris, what about you? I started my career as a military officer in the air force uh, many moons ago. I left there, uh, was in aerospace and defense for a little bit, sales um, for a startup LED lighting company. And for the last eight years at Serta Sims Betting, I've taken on uh, different operations, supply chain, customer service, transformation roles, and ultimately really fortunate to lead our customer experience team. Chris, where were you stationed in the Air Force? I have to ask. My wife was in the Air Force for a number of oh, years. Oh, that's great. Uh, Hill Air Force Base in Utah. All right. So let's start off with the same question to both of you. Uh, Chris, let's go to you first on this one and then to Amber. Um, how do you think customer service has evolved over the last few years? Um, and what do you, what would you say is the most important thing about looking at it in relation to your customers today versus say three or five years ago? Sure. Yeah, that's a great question, Chris. So what Amber and I always talk about is that experiences are currency today and okay. your ability as, as a retailer, um, is to make sure that you have any, every interaction with a customer matters, right? You've got to at least have that as a philosophy. And if you, if you believe every interaction matters and as, you, as that customer goes along uh, that customer journey, you can identify um, where you're causing pain or where you're earning the right for continued growth and continued loyalty. And so I think it's really about making sure that um, in understanding that fundamental and that experiences are currency, every interaction matters. So is it really the loyalty angle then that's kind of the new new tilt on it then in terms of engendering behavior, you know, going forward? Is that is that something that's probably different than, say, three to five years ago? I, I mean, I think the loyalty component was there, but I think that as, mm -hmm. as we think about the end to end customer journey and making sure that our organizations really understand the journey from the customer's perspective, not individual functional views, that that's really important. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, yeah, that's interesting. I've never thought about that. Amber, what would you say? What other elements would you add to that conversation? So kind of just to add on to what Chris said, like, I think the biggest thing that companies need to be aware of is that customer expectations have probably evolved faster than customer service, right? So what our customers are right. expecting from us is far more than a lot of companies are either producing or even have the technological technological capability <laughs> to produce. So, you know, I can remember when I joined Tuft and Needle in 2015 and customers were wowed that we just picked up the phone, that we were willing to help and that we were kind and nice. No more wowing at that. Like that is the expectation. Mm -hmm. And so I think companies really have to keep it in mind that customers are expecting these amazing experiences and they vote with their dollars. So if we're, right. if we don't catch up, if we don't evolve as fast as expectations, you're going to be left behind. Well, and Amber, you and the team at Serta Simmons Betting, you've been able to really kind of be ahead of this game as P as other retailers are starting to think about how they can create maybe like a roadmap for creating new experiences, especially as they're just trying to decide, okay, what kind of technology do we bring into this? How do we update our systems to really meet the needs of our consumers that are changing so quickly? What would you suggest or like, what have you learned that you might uh, impart on those other retailers as they're starting to develop that? that roadmap? So I think one of the most crucial pieces as you're looking at your roadmap, you really want to be having, have a lens of like how to empower your agents to truly help your customers, right? Like 
customers are not going to accept hiding behind policy. They're not going to accept hiding behind, oh, this is your case number. This is just how it goes. They really want to be treated as individuals. So your technology, your policies, your procedures, your approaches need to meet that. Your employees need to be empowered to be able to treat customers like individuals. Yeah. How much of the, how much of that is a function of the technology and the generational differences that we're seeing out there? Like the word that comes to mind for me is like immediacy. Like you, and you've kind of mentioned that too, of like, Hey, I picked up the phone and I called you. Um, yeah. How do you keep that all straight in terms of what you're trying to do in terms of like the roadmap and how do you prioritize everything? You know, I think it's a mixture of technology and approach, right? Like your technology, you know, you think about your agents, like when we hire agents, we're hiring problem solvers. We're hiring empathetic people. We're hiring amazing communicators. We are not hiring technology experts. We're not hiring people that really, you know, have this strong love of figuring out systems. And so you have to think about the kind of experience you want to provide for your customers. And then your systems have to make that seamless for your agents. If you bog your agents down in the technology piece, you cannot then ask them to be supreme problem solvers, supremely right. empathetic because their 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 efforts are going all the way over here. So it really is a mixture of approach and technology. Right. They get a little distracted, I would imagine, under that situation. Chris, you're shaking your head. What would yeah. you add there? <laughs> no, I, I, I absolutely agree. And then it's like, on top of that, it's just balancing the investment with finding the right partner. Mm-hmm. Finding the right partner, not vendor, is really, really important. And I think I, I call to mind when we talked to Shannon Flanagan at Talk to Us, and she right. was talking about that exact exact example of like, like Amber was saying, you know, they've got the customer service agents have, you know, 10 screens that are open and, and you're, I love this idea of like thinking about, okay, how are you hiring? But then how are you going to really match the tools that will help those agents be most successful and therefore the customer loyalty kind of continue and, and the customer feel like they're getting their, their issues resolved. Um, I, I'm curious, like more on the hiring side too, like, how are you thinking about that? And what are the, what have you changed about like who you're looking for and how you're filling these positions? I can kind of take that to start off with. So, you know, I feel like a few years ago when we really started thinking about hiring CXers, we were kind of looking for empathy. Mm -hmm. That was the cornerstone and really almost, I don't say it was all we were looking for, but really like that was the main driver. Yeah. Now that hasn't changed, right? Empathy is still, you know, synonymous with customer experience, but we really are now looking for, problem solvers and people that, you know, really like to solve complex problems. And it's funny, Chris and I were talking about this the other day about just, you know, I think sometimes people think customer service or customer experience kind of shows up like me, right? Big smile, like very happy to be here. But it also, Chris, not that you're not smiling, you are smiling right (laughs) now, but also shows up like Chris, who is like a very, a little bit more of a sometimes a little more serious, but also like a supreme problem solver, someone that's like relentless about experiences. And so I think we've evolved our practices to really understand that CX doesn't look like one thing. So many different personalities and people can be CX as long as, again, like empathy has to be there, but really like problem solving is a very key component to being a good customer experience agent. That's a really interesting point. No one's ever talked about that on the show. Like that, you know, yeah, you get the kind of the, the typical, like, Hey, you're at the Starbucks barista, right? right. The bubbly friendly person that yeah. you want to talk to on the phone. But <laughs> yeah, in reality, a lot of times you just want somebody that's going to help you get it done and gives you the confidence that they're going to do that. So 
So Chris, you kind of put your personality on, on, on blaster a little bit almost, but, uh, I'm curious, we've got to give you a word on that. Like I'm, I'm assuming you agree with her, but you know, what, what would be the color you'd add to that conversation? Sure. No, I think it's a great point. What Amber brings up, right. Um, I would say that the, the process improvement mindset and more importantly, continuous improvement on a daily basis, that's really the key. And that's what I think Amber is touching on because that that's the philosophy that I have with our team that we have with our agents and that we need to bring to our customers. We've got to be continually improving every day from a people and a process perspective. Okay. So that, that's the people side of it, but now I do want to press you guys a little bit more on, on the technology of getting it done, right? You talked about, you don't want to overwhelm your associates essentially or your staff with requiring them to look at 19 different screens, like Ann alluded to in the conversation with Shannon Flanagan previously, but, but how, how do you do that? How do you cut through everything to make sure that your platform is running and giving them foundation to actually go out and do problem solving. Like that's easier said than done. How have you guys gone about doing that? Maybe Chris, let's start with you on this one. Sure. That's just taking an honest look at where we're at in current state from that mosaic of different systems that you may have as an organization, right? And so that's what we've done. We've taken a a hard look at uh, what systems we do have, what capabilities we do have, and more importantly, where do we need to be? What are those gaps and how can we address them? What are the small wins that we can show our agents where we hear, um, where they hear us that we're listening to them, Mm -hmm. right? Because it is a journey and we've got to talk about it as a journey. Technology um, roadmaps are a roadmap for a reason. They're not overnight fixes, but we can absolutely be showing wins on on a weekly, monthly basis by addressing small gaps within that framework and making sure that ultimately we sell them on the vision and they know that they have our commitment, our investment in our time uh, behind them. Chris too, how, and Chris and Amber both, I mean, whoever wants to take it, how important is the cloud aspect of the technology platform for, for customer service? Like I'm assuming that you guys are doing everything in the cloud at this point. Like, do you think that's fundamental to doing what you're describing here, Chris? Yes. Yeah. I think that that is honestly, it's, that's one one right? Like, is and it? If, okay. And if, and if you're, and if you're not there, you need to get there as soon as possible. Got it. And how long, what was that journey like for you guys? Like how long did it take you to get to that point? Um, you know, was it overnight? Was it something you guys were always working towards? Was it a big conversation internally? Like, Hey, we gotta, we gotta make this move. Like how play that back for us. So I think it's aligning the right stakeholders, making sure that we're talking about the voice of the customer and the voice of the employee to drive the behavioral change, doing the basics of cost benefit analysis, and then bottom line, making it happen, right? You've got to be able to secure the yes across the board, get the right people with the right responsibilities and the right skill sets on a team, and then go execute against that technology. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It seems like a no brainer. And like in a lot of ways, like to do, because I like how these guys are, I like to, I love the positioning of the problem solver mm-hmm. as the kind of the new skill set for the customer service agent. You've got to be in the cloud then and be flexible to give them what they need to, to be able to, to actually solve those problems. Right. Exactly. To give them the tools that they can have, especially when you're looking at the different types of ways that the customer is contacting you too. I mean, I think it used right. to be as simple as, you know, one screen, you have the order number, you're looking at it, but now, you know, if they started a chat, they had talked to somebody in the store, social media, the only way that they're able to keep track of that, I imagine, uh, is, you know, if they have this one unified cloud-based system to do that, um, Amber, how, how has that kind of evolved, um, as you're teaching these, these problem solvers, these associates to, to tackle these, these issues, how has that kind of 
changed the, their process of, of approaching things compared to where it was a few years ago? I will say, you know, just to be very honest, we are still evolving, right? Like right, we, are right, not, right. we are not at our true north yet, but you know, I- You think haven't solved retail, Amber? Oh my God. <laughs> I, know, I know, I'm working oh on it, almost there. Good getting um, here. But you know, to kind of go back in our like tuft and needles history when we were, right. you know, just being started in 2015, our processes were very simple. So, right, we had one mattress, we shipped FedEx ground straight to your door. We had, you know, and so we did have, you know, several systems, like one for email, one for, you know, telephone. We mentioned TalkDesk in their, this conversation. <coughs> Excuse me. They've been a partner of ours for a long time. And at that point, it wasn't actually much of a hardship, right? Because everything really was very simple. So if the hardest thing we were doing was scrolling back and forth between email and phone and chat, not that big of a deal. We'll cut to now where we, you know, we're part of sort of embedding and, you know, lots of different products and lots of different shippers. And the, the complexity is so high that even then now going back and forth between platforms, that's now become a lot to ask. And so I, again, we're not there yet, but we've re- realized and are working towards just anything we can do to remove friction for our agents. And this is one thing that we can do, right? Like we're not going to stop selling products. We're not going to stop offering customers different shipping options, but we can reduce the technology, try to create that single pane of glass and kind of move forward in that way. I like that single pane of glass. It's a good analogy too. All right, let's 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 shift gears a little bit then because there is some angle to this as well in previous conversations that we've had around customer service um, that the younger <clears throat> generations particularly have a desire to help themselves when they encounter a customer service issue. Um, so my question would be like, you know, as proactive as you want the agents to be, that could still be a fact of life that they actually don't want to talk to an agent. They want to help themselves. So my first question, Amber, you're shaking your head is one, do you, do you agree with that premise that that's what you guys are seeing from the younger generations? And, and if so, cause I'm guessing you do based on the response I'm seeing from you. Um, what do you, what would you prioritize to make that easier for them? So anecdotally, I don't know if this is just the younger generation, right? Oh, I right. I, I is, agree. Yes. Yes. Next is like, unite. Yes. Yeah. I, I think like customer expectations are just shifting in this way where, you know, I think we've said it a little bit in this conversation, like they want to be met where they want to be met. And so for a lot of customers, that is self-service, right? They don't want to pick up a phone. They do not want to have to craft an email. They want to be able to do this at one in the morning if that's when their preference is. And so, you know, it is when you're looking at your technology partners, it's like, what can you automate for your customers in a way that doesn't feel like you're trying to block them from talking to somebody, but feels additive for them, right? It's like, no, like we're adding this self-service, not because we don't want to connect you with an agent, but because we understand you don't want to connect with an agent. And then of course, always having the ability to reach somebody, right? Right. Like self-service is great. And for some, like, I mean, I'll, I do everything self-service until I run into a wall and then I'll pick up the phone. Right. But if when I pick up that phone, I can't reach somebody, nothing irritates me more. So it's kind of that balance of just understanding that like you have to meet your customers where they are and everybody is kind of moving towards that self-service want. And Amber, I'm, I'm curious because we know, and especially the retailers that are listening to this right now, you know, there, there is definitely methods that are more effective or inexpensive for them to give the customer, how do you think that they should be thinking about approaching that as they're trying to offer and meet the customers exactly where they are? 
how do you think that they should kind of prioritize what those elements are or, or how to figure out like, okay, we want to offer a chat as an option, but you know, how, how, how far, how many hoops are we going to make them jump through before they can get to an actual customer service associate who can solve the problem if they can't solve it for themselves? Yeah. I think with your self-service, you always want to have an immediate out for customers, right? Immediate. Like if they, you know, some examples of self-service that we have is we have um, what we just call internally forms, right? And so a customer can use a, do a return form or a warranty form and, it will walk them through everything they need for that process. But at any point, if a customer's like, nope, I'm out, I want to talk to somebody, they can reach us. We're not, there's no barriers to getting back in contact with live agents. So that's what I would say. It was like, as you're putting it together, always have that out, always have that ability for a customer to reach a live agent, even if it's an email, right? Like if you're not an always on company Mm -hmm. and they reach a barrier in the self-service, have an option to be like, Hey, send us an email. We'll get back to you in this timeframe. Don't, you don't want customers to feel trapped in your self-service that you want them to feel truly like it's a benefit. Um, And sometimes they can be set up as traps and customers get very frustrated by that. That's a great point. Having out. I love that quote Mm -hmm. too. Uh, Amber's dropping a lot of knowledge today. Um, (laughs) So, okay. So that's a good, I want to expand on that question for man too. Like in terms of like basic, you know, building blocks here to, to make this happen for the self-service. I imagine there's FAQs that you guys probably have on your site. sounds like you've gotten out curious too. like, how important is the text chat for you guys at this point in terms of providing customer service in that way? And then how automated is that in your minds or should it be as you go forward? Chris, maybe start with you on that one. Sure. I mean, so having a really great knowledge base and something that the team is focused on is uh, has been a priority. So have, having that as a core is really important to help okay. that self-service. Bring it back so that you can, yeah. yeah, so that you can get, you know, the majority of the customer's questions answered. And, and to Amber's point, depending on when um, they do want to have that out, we'll be ready to answer um, and address that concern immediately. And, and so, you know, we're absolutely working through that journey. Um, as a team, depending on our portfolio of brands and um, just looking forward to the continued evolution of the, of the process overall. Yeah. And then back to the question too, like in terms of like chat messaging, like I'm curious, like how, how important is that for you guys in the, in basically the, the mattress selling process? And then if it is important also, like how automated are you looking to make that? Or how do you decide when to bring automation in versus say maybe the live human being? more upfront in the process. Like, how do you, how do you sort through all that? That seems very challenging. Sure. I mean, I think it, it's, um, it's something that we've absolutely looked at and explored. Working with your technology partner is really key and listening to your customers and, and really understanding what they need and where they're at at that point in time. Got it. And just for the landscape too, I'm curious, I should ask this probably earlier too. What are all the, me- what are the various methods by which customers are contacting you when they have an issue. Like, I think that's probably a good thing to just give people Mm -hmm. an understanding of the full landscape here of what you're having to sort through on a daily basis. And if you can give proportions to that's great. not going to hold you to it, but like, you know, X percent come from, you know, phone calls, emails. Like, I'm just curious. I have no idea the answer to that question, especially in your industry. So it's a little bit interesting for us because our different brands show up a little bit differently, which we always think is really cool. So our, uh, beauty rest customer, they really like to call us. So we okay. get many more phone calls from them. And then our tough to go customer, um, they usually start with email and then it evolves from there, but we have, you know, okay. very typical. We have email, we have phones, 
we have text message, we have um, chats, and then we have social media. So customers are trying to talk to us, whether it's DMing on social media or writing on our Facebook wall or writing on their Facebook wall and tagging us, anything like that. We'll really respond anywhere that we can, you know, see that a customer is trying to get support from us and go from there. Amber, I'm also curious how you're you're like measuring that success then of in all of those instances. I mean, how has that changed? It, it used to be, we've talked with talk to us before, but like the metrics used to be like, how quickly can you solve an issue and get onto the next call as a, as the success metric that they're following. But when you have somebody that's communicating via email, somebody that's communicating via live chat or through social and they're communicating on the phone, like, how is that individual um, measured or, or uh, how do you continue to evolve kind of what determines, yes, you're doing a good job uh, and leading with empathy at the same time? And honestly, that's such a great question and definitely like high on our mind right now, right? When yeah. it was just email and phone, it was a little bit easier, right? right. You can do, you know, customer satisfaction surveys afterwards. Um, so, you know, we have some manual things that we have in place, but this is definitely something that we're, you know, is something for the future we're looking to evolve. There's so many different resources and technologies that will allow you to really listen to what your customers are saying and in all of these mediums and be able to take that data and truly, you know, in Chris's point of like continuous improvement, like really mm-hmm. ensure that the things you're continuously improving are the things that your customers care about. So, you know, it's, it's a priority for us and we have a lot of different things that we do, but we're really looking forward to a future where it can be a little bit more streamlined with um, the different technology options that are out there now. And it has to be updated. Is that what I'm hearing from you? Like you can't measure it in the same way as a retailer. Like it's just not, it doesn't work that way. Yeah, it's definitely, it's, and it's also, I think, you know, kind of one of those things that years ago, everybody was sort of doing these manual processes, right? The options were limited. Well, now there are so many options, so many technology options that give you this always on listening. So if you're not taking advantage of that, you're, you know, again, you're not listening to everything your customers are telling you and you could easily work on the wrong things, right? Like Mm -hmm. customers are always telling us to stop, start and continue of the business. So you have to be able to listen to that, right? If you can't, you may spend efforts on things that your customers don't even really care about. Right. Right. Which brings up another question for me too. Like, you know, we've talked a lot on the show about how, you know, the customer service centers are really cost centers. I've traditionally been thought of that way. And going back to the point, I think Chris, you brought up in the beginning of how, like, actually there's a big loyalty play here, a long-term value play here, if you do this right. So my question for you is like, given the mindset of the cost center, like I could see there being a more desirable way for customers to communicate with you, like whether it's phone or email. Um, Is that something you guys try to do? Or is even asking that question, missing the punchline to the joke in 2022, where you actually can't act that way and you need to be flexible. Chris, how do you, how would you think about that? I think you need to be flexible, okay. right? And um, that, I mean, that's, that's Amber and I's philosophy with how we interact with customers, how we want to make sure that we show up for customers on a daily basis. I mean, optimizing for a specific channel based on cost is absolutely something that, you know, yes, it's top of mind, but we really need to see what the data tells us and what the customer wants and where they want us to interact with them. Got it. So if your boss is hammering you over the head being like, you need to get more of our customer service calls to go call us via, I don't even know the most preferred way. Like, honestly, I have no idea what the most cost-effective way is, but if you need more, we need more emails versus like live phone calls. Like you would, you would, you would not advise that approach is what I'm hearing. It, it would, yes, correct. But, and it would depend on what 
our customers are asking for, right? Right. Amber, what would you say? I would echo Chris. Like I, you really do have to listen to your customers. Now, certainly I think, you know, one of the big, like setting up like a robust FAQ on your website, right? Like give your customers the ability to find information themselves. And really, I think where we talk about CX like starts on the website is because we obviously are partnering with our designers and our content creators, because we can say like, oh man, we had 10,000, that's not a real number, but 10,000 calls last week where customers were asking us the dimensions of the mattress. Well, okay, how do we work together to make sure that's more prominent on the site? So customers do not have to call and ask us those questions. So there's definitely things that you do when you look into why your customers are contacting you and you are trying to essentially get rid of them, right? You want to create a world where customers never have to talk to you unless they want to. And so, you know, certainly you're, you're always looking at that, but from the customer's standpoint, right? Like costs are so crucial. And I'm not going to say that we don't pay attention to that, but we really ground ourselves in the customer's experience and make decisions from there. And if you're doing that, you end up creating, you know, more customers and more loyalty. And so it, it all ends up working out if you just take really good care of your customers. That's a really great point. I mean, I love that because so much, so much in retail, we hear things like words like demand shaping or like trying to get customers to go down the path that's most advantageous to the retailer. But you guys are saying, you're saying no, like you actually just need to listen and be responsive and yeah. set up your processes and your systems to enable that, which I think is a card carrying statement mm-hmm. in today's day and age about doing omni-channel retailing well at every level, right? You know, customer service, in-store experience, online browsing, like whatever it is, like that's a good statement to make. As we're starting to think about the years ahead, uh, what are the kind of goals and priorities that you have for this coming year? You've touched on a few of them, streamlining processes, you know, trying to, again, make sure that you're hiring the right people to lead with empathy, but um, what's, what's next? What's on the, what's on the roadmap? We, you know, continue at, to focus on our agent experience, right? Like yeah. everything we do. And I think Chris has said it in this conversation, right? Employee experience drives customer experience. And so as we move forward, we're always going to just stay very focused on our agent experience and ensuring, you know, the technology, the processes, the policies, you know, that everything we're doing is enabling them to take great care of our customers. So sorry to repeat something, but that's really, I think our, always our biggest priority. I, I don't think it's, it's, it's okay. Or it's a it's bad really thing important. to repeat. I think we need to drive home that point. Um, well, it's the human side of that too. That's so key to that. You know, right. so you talk about all this automation these days, like well, the emphasis there is really key for people to hear. And Amber and Chris, I'm, I'm wondering too, because the product that you're working with is so such a personal product too. I mean, this is a big investment for your customers. They're doing this, you know, once every seven years. So it's got to be the right fit. It, it takes a little time to re- adjust to a new mattress. And it's so critical to their daily lives, getting, getting sleep. I know that's a big part of, of the belief and value system at, at Serta Simmons, but do you think that it's different for a product like yours than maybe for some of the other retailers who are listening? Like, do you think you have to train differently or, you know, um, is there anything that, that you feel like is different or maybe even similar? Like, it doesn't matter what the product is. These are the core values that are, are key to a great customer experience and a great associate experience. I think there can obviously be some differences, right? Like what we've seen just, you know, Chris and I, I and our, like our network talking to different customer experience people as price point does 
dictate a little bit of how high touch your experience needs to be right right? if you're buying something for ten dollars that you may use once and then throw it away but to your point a mattress is something that's like super crucial to your health and wellness Mm -hmm. it's a big investment and then you're meant to have it for a long time and so well, I do think there can be some differences there. I think the cornerstones are not different. And right. you, I think it's really thinking something we say here at sort of someone's vetting is we talk about treating people how they want to be treated. And that's really how you have to think about your customer experiences, no matter who you are, is really thinking mm-hmm. about how do these customers want to be treated and really push into that. And yes, it's going to look different from business to business, but the approach, the philosophy really should not be very different. The the relationship between service and margin is always an important part of this conversation, which is what Amber's alluding to too. And I think that's where technology is the leveler, right? Like technology enables you to give that more premium service than you'd expect for the product that you're buying at that lower margin or that relatively lower margin as well. Let's close the show with this. We, uh, whenever we get the chance and we haven't done it in a while, but I always like to ask a question around prognostication. And Amber, I loved your point about, um, you know, it's not just the younger generations that want to help themselves here, here on that one. Um, I'm curious, as you guys put your, your Nostradamus hats on, and Chris, we'll start with you on this one. Sure. You know, 10 years out, given, you guys are experts. I mean, you guys are as bona fide of experts on this topic as anybody. How do you think people are going to be interacting with retailers on the customer service side? Like, what does that picture look like? So I think it's going to, there'll be a double down in self-service, right? Um, And it'll be powered by advanced um, AI. And if it's done correctly, we'll be able to anticipate what customers need before they may even understand or realize it, right? Um, You know, one example uh, that I've thought of recently is with uh, with Delta. And I've been a loyal Delta SkyMiles member for 15 plus years, right? Right. And I always fly back home, originally from Buffalo, New York, always fly back home uh, during Thanksgiving and Christmas, right? Religiously, every year, 15 years in a row. But there should be a point at which, you know, I get a notification with an email sent to me based on my purchase history of roughly when I go of flights that are already pre-booked with flexible options that tell me that I've got the best price for me and my family that I could easily add on. And I should just be able to buy that with one or two clicks, mm-hmm. right. right? I shouldn't have to call Delta and even go onto the app. They should push that to me uh, is just one example. Right. The same thing true with mattresses. Like, you know, I don't know how long does a mattress last? 10, seven, 15 years, seven, seven years, oh, seven no, years. Oh, my God. 10, 15. Heresy, heresy, heresy. I, I, we, did some, we say I, may, have, I may have worked <laughs> okay. for, for Beauty Rust uh, as a oh, um, disclosure. back in the day. Disclosure. Yeah. So we did a lot of I feel like it was pounded into us like, no, you cannot. 15 years is too long. Oh, OK. Wow. I guess I'm due for a new mattress. Good. Good yeah. thing I'm talking to the right people. Yeah. Um, all right. So so but the key takeaway there is you're kind of you're seeing the world evolve where it is still it's more on the self-service angle, which has been a theme through this conversation, but then also more on the proactive side of things as well. Amber, I'm curious, what what's your take? Do you agree with Chris? Disagree? Anything you any angles you take differently there? Yeah, so I do agree with Chris, right? In spirit of always like advancing towards like effortless, but then also delightful, I'm going to kind of take the delightful side. So I, I'm really excited to see what AI is going to bring us in terms of interactions, right? right? Like I think about a world where we can support a customer through a warranty claim, through some kind of virtual reality AI, where we can really, really like 
I don't really know. I'm not designing these things, but okay. like go in home and like really support yeah. them. And, you know, so I, I think AI, that's what I think. I think AI is going to just bring this whole level of delightful service that we can't even quite imagine right now, mm. but it's really going to level up that side of it. But I wholeheartedly agree with Chris, the effortless side is also, we're going to see exponential gains in that aspect as well. I want to push you guys a little bit more too, just because we have some time, but like, I'm curious to like, what's your take on the primary platform of choice 10 years out now? I mean, we've talked about phones, you know, we've talked about message apps. Like, what do you think is going to be the way people are engaging with the consumer? And maybe it's something that we don't even know of yet too. I mean, 10 years out is feels a long way, but it's really not. I mean, I can remember, you know, 2013, 2012, like talking about some of the things we're still talking about today. So, you know, we're probably not going to be that far reaching, I would imagine. But, you know, what, 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 where would you place your bets? I'm curious, Amber. Man, it's so hard to know because, I mean, we still have some customers, dear bless them, that send mail to us. Like, we still right. get mail and we still interact with customers that that's the preferred choice. So I don't know if we're going to see any options completely go okay, away. But to your point, I think there's going to be more that like, I can't even comprehend. I think there'll be just more in different ways, but I, I don't know what that's going to look like. Um, but I think we'll see. I'll think, I think we'll see it evolve and I'm excited for it. That's a great takeaway though. I'm glad I asked that question. That's a great takeaway because like, it's showing you what the more themes of here, where you've just got to be flexible to handle a lot of different things. Cause probably saying one thing is going to evolve and emerge. It's probably not the right answer. All right, Chris, last word. I, I agree with Amber. I think it's going to be the evolution of each one of those channels. It'll be really interesting to see cool. that will make the, uh, the experience effortless and delightful at the end of the day. That's amazing. That's really cool. Do you think yeah. that we're going to get to a point where instead of the like tuft and needle mattress appearing in a larger box, will we get down to, I'm imagining like the Jetsons pill form where it's just like, Ooh, it just it, <laughs> add water and it like, but yes, exactly. Add water, just add water. I mean, um, never say never. Never, never say, say never, never, right? It certainly would help on shipping costs. That's for sure. Get that's, that, yeah. Get that idea to the product development team. Yes, Stat. that's right. Let's do it. Um, <laughs> thank you both so much for joining us. And thank you to everybody who hung out with us and uh, had questions for the team. Um, Chris and Amber, if people want to get in touch with you, they want to follow up on this conversation. Um, they want to submit their own, uh, just write you a letter. Mattress. I don't know. They want to write you a letter. What's the best way for them to do that, Chris? So, uh, we'd love for you to reach out via LinkedIn. Um, you know, please send us a message and, uh, we'll be happy to collaborate with you with whatever question you have and, uh, where, wherever you are on your journey. Uh, that wraps us up for today. Thanks so much to Chris McShane and Amber Scott for sitting down with us. Thanks again to Talk Desk for helping us put together today's event. And of course, all of you who joined us live on LinkedIn or tuned in to listen. And as always, on behalf of all of them and all of us here at Omnipack Retail, careful out there. <laughs>